A very happy Wednesday to all of you, our listeners. Welcome to the latest installment of the Frarian Smith Podcast. Before we get to today's special guest, here's a quick reminder. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a review. Also, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at at Frarian Smith for everything you need to know about the Sunbelt. With that said, we're really excited to have our latest Sunbelt student athlete join us on the Frarian Smith podcast. Caden, why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's special guest? Nah, so super happy for everyone to hear this when we finally gave a position group that doesn't necessarily get a lot of spotlight, doesn't get a lot of love in the football world, some love. We talked to none other than Troy offensive lineman Austin Stidham. Through this interview, y'all will learn that he's a great player, obviously a great run blocker and pass blocker, but he might be an even greater person just from him talking to us about his personal journey to Troy, his journey in football in general, and just a lot of the off the field stuff that we love to get into. So to tell him, tell him about the stats of this guy and what this guy's about. Yeah, last year, Austin was named a first-team offensive lineman in the Sun Belt for the second time in his career. I thought this was interesting, too. He also became the fifth uh, two-time academic All-American in Troy history last season. He was third in the Sun Belt with a pass-blocking grade of 77 and ranked 13th nationally in that category. This year, he has helped protect standout quarterback Gunnar Watson along with Jared Daigie's blindside. Uh, The Trojans have consistently been one of the league's most prolific passing attacks all season long. Austin continues to raise his level of play for Troy as they pursue a Sunbelt West Division Championship this season. He's one of the top offensive linemen in the Sunbelt, and we're looking forward to seeing what he can do throughout the remaining weeks of the season. Yeah, Austin, just the epitome of a student athlete. He talked a lot about some of his brains and some of his brawn as well, and just the inner workings of him being a great student, also just being an offensive lineman and what that means and what Troy means to him, really. So without further ado, let's get y'all to hear this interview with the one and only Austin Stidham. Well, we're really excited to have Troy offensive lineman Austin Sidham on the podcast here today. Austin, you're the first offensive lineman to make an appearance on the uh, Frarian Smith podcast. How does that feel? Hey, it's an honor. It's, I'm glad y'all finally got some athletes on the podcast, man. I mean, we, we, we had to. I mean, at some point, and, uh, you know, as I as I joked with you before we started recording this, too, it's just I had had a chance to listen to you down at Sunbelt Media Day, and I was impressed, so we figured it was uh, you were the right guy to kind of break that trend. Um, you know, I wanted to kind of just start with, you know, your upbringing a little bit. You grew up four hours from Troy's campus. Uh, Alabama seems to be home for you. Um, why did you choose to go to Troy? So I have a really interesting story. Everybody buckle in, especially with, uh, with last week, it ties in a little bit. So let's, let's rewind back to 2016. I'm getting recruited out of high school. I'm a little undersized, so I'm getting a lot of uh, a group of five offers and things like that. Western Kentucky comes along. I really like Western Kentucky. I like the coaching staff. I commit to Western Kentucky, and I'm all ready to go. I'm going to go to Western Kentucky. That whole coaching staff then goes up, goes to Purdue. They, uh, the Brahms, you know, that that head coaching staff. Uh, they then recruit me at Purdue as well. And this whole time, I've I've had Troy, you know, back and forth with them, and. You know, it really just came down to, to going on official visits, uh, hanging out with the different teams, hanging out with the coaches. Uh, Troy really pursued me. The coaching staff then, the, that was Neil Brown's staff at, at Troy, they really pursued me. And when I came on my official down here in Troy, I, it just it felt right. It was a small town just like I grew up, grown up in. And everything just felt right. The guys felt right. The, the atmosphere felt right. And 
you know, I think I made the best decision for me at the time and it's worked out. It's been a blessing. Now, Austin, you talked a little bit about the, the, you being a little bit undersized in high school. A lot of people don't know a lot of, a lot of linemen coming out of high school, man, when they get to school, they have to gain a ton of weight. And on the, on the program guide, it said you were 270 as a freshman. We know sometimes that's not necessarily the truth, but now you're at 295. Just tell us a little bit about that weight gainer process. Cause it's not easy. You have to do a lot of eating, a lot of working out. Just tell us about that physical maturation process you had to go through to play at this level you're at now. Yeah. So coming out of high school, I was 240, I think, before I got to campus. And I did a lot of work before I got to campus. And I did get to about the 260, 265 range. But I stepped foot on campus in, in the summer of 17. And I just knew I knew I had to go right to work. You know, I went through the summer. I worked hard during the summer. And there was kind of rumors of a little position battle my true freshman year. But you know, the coaching staff knew that I really needed to redshirt that year, and they allowed me to do that, which gave me another year in, in a college strength program, gave me another year to eat six meals a day to uh, to put on good body weight. And, uh, you know, it, it really helped me. That A lot of guys hear the word redshirt, and they get really flustered and really scared because we go from being these superstars in high school to sitting the bench and kind of playing our role. But you know, without that year, I don't think I would be anywhere near where I am today. Yeah, no, that I think completely makes sense. And I think, uh, you know, Caden's talked a lot about it on previous episodes. That's kind of something that you see a lot of guys at App State do, where they're going to come in and you're going to redshirt, you're going to sit behind some guys, learn, grow. Uh, and it sounds like kind of that's what you're describing uh, with your journey at Troy. Um, you know, like I said, I was at Sunbelt Media Day. And, you know, when you were there, you talked about how important it was to return Troy to what it used to be. Um, why was that important enough for you and guys like Carlton Marshall to, you know, make that decision to return to a sixth season in hopes of helping accomplish that goal? Yeah. So, so guys like me and Carlton, we, we were around for those 2017 seasons of that 2018 season where Troy won 10 games. We won a conference championship. We beat LSU. We beat Nebraska. And to, to go from that. And then we had that sort of fall off those couple of years where we were a little down, uh, we knew that we, as the players, had let down some of some of the previous guys. We had let down, you know, some of the the history of Troy. You know, Troy has always been a very prestigious program. There's national titles there. There's tons of conference championships there. So, who else to get Troy back to that spot than us? Guys that had been there in those 17 and 18 seasons. Guys that that know what the winning status is like. So, you know. Not only did, did we look at this opportunity of a six-year as an opportunity for us to grow as players and, you know, boost our our, uh, our our way to the league, you know, give us an extra year of film and everything like that, but it's also to us an opportunity to give back to the university, you know, a university that, you know, I, they took a chance on me. Like I said, I was 6'4", 240 coming out of high school. They, they saw something in me. They saw something in Carlton and a walk-on linebacker that's now – and who, how, who knows how many times All-American, you know. So we owe it to Troy at, to, to try and get this program back to where it's supposed to be. And so that – me and him talked. We talked when we were going through the process of deciding to come back a six-year. And we both kind of mutually agreed, hey, we need to stick this thing out together and get this program back rolling again. Now, that's awesome stuff. And being an offensive lineman, it's just one of the hardest jobs in football, and it's very thankless. And when you have your best game, nobody notices. And when you have your worst game, everybody notices. Just tell us about your mentality as an offensive lineman and just doing that dirty work for Troy for six years and what it's just taught you. Yeah, uh, 
I'll, I'll tell you this, you know, if you ever if you ever hang around some offensive linemen, we're, we're going to be the funniest guys on the field, and we're also going to be the most humble. And, uh, you know, it, it comes wrong, along with the job. You have to be – you have to be able to, to take the punches, you know. You know everybody's going to see all your mistakes. You know nobody's going to give you the glory when, when you need it. But we take pride in being a very tight-knit unit. We take pride in just grinding out every day. And for us, if the team succeeds, then we succeed. So that, that's sort of our mentality. We do our job so that the team can succeed. And whoever gets the glory gets the glory. You know, at the end of the day, we're winning football games. We're happy with it. And that's just that's the mentality. That's that's what I would tell anybody that's this younger and looking to play offensive line on into the next levels. Just get used to the grind, get used to, to going to work every day and have fun in the winning because the winning is, is what's fun about the whole thing. A little follow up from that one. You really inspired me. I wish I was a little bit bigger and could have played a line in my day. But if you could play any other position, what would it be? Maybe something you played in high school, something you've always wanted to play. If you had one game, one game at Troy, you could play something else. What would it be? So I was I was a D end in high school too. I play I played on both sides of the ball. But really, if I could have uh, stayed a little skinny and uh, got recruited in a different position, I would love to play tight end. Uh, you know the the duality of getting to hit people still, getting to block still, and then getting to make big plays on offense. I think the tight ends they got a really really good job, and I, I would love to have that job some days. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Um, you know, it's funny because as we mentioned, you being the first O lineman, we've had several quarterbacks on here and the quarterbacks always take care uh, or talk about how they take care of their offensive linemen. Jace Bryce was talking about meals that he goes out to with some of his guys up at App State. Um, how good are you, are your quarterbacks at kind of taking care of their, uh, taking care of the guys in front? Who's, who's, you know, where do you, what's y'all's routine during the week? Yeah, uh, Gunner. Gunner's always he's, he's been a guy that's there for us. Uh, you know, he might not show it uh, materially, but uh, but he, he keeps us he keeps us on his back. You know, he uh, he never lets us go unnoticed. You know, anytime we anytime we score a touchdown, anytime he sees us grinding through the week, he he, he daps us up at practice. You know, at uh, at practice, the offensive line we, we do something at Troy where we condition every day after practice, just because that's just something we do. And one day, Gunner and the rest of the quarterbacks came over, and they just started conditioning with us, you know, in the hot summer. And it's little things like that that, that lets us know that they're there with us. They're they're grinding it out with us, and they appreciate what we do, and they see all the little things we do. And it's things like that that, that hit home with me. All right, this is our last question of, of O-Line Corner. I just wanted to show some love to you guys because I've, I've been on a team, and I understand that position, man. Not a lot of people know about it, but – could you just tell the people about the the struggles of wearing knee braces and just explain to the people at home who might not understand that? And I know, I know you have a story, at least one story where a knee braces saved you before. So just tell us that too. Man, I will tell you this, uh, the worst feeling every day. So on Tuesdays, Tuesdays is kind of the, the gritty day of the week. And that that's usually how it is where you go, you're in full pads, slapping those knee braces on on a Tuesday and slapping those pants and those shoulder pads on. You go out there feeling like a like a pack mule, you know, for lack of a better terms, and <laughs> you, you feel so constricted. And the knee braces, they they they're so compact, and you just want to be free, but you, it just feels like you're getting held back. But there there has been plenty of times I've been rolled up countless times in games and practice, and they've saved me. They have uh, as as much of a pain as they are that they do their job and. You, it's something you got to get used to. A lot of younger guys, they, they have it a little rougher than we do, but us older guys, we, we know how to deal with them. We, we put them on every day and we just go to work. 
This is uh, this is the type of content that we like on these podcasts, those hard hitting questions, <laughs> the things that fans don't necessarily think about. Um, you know, another thing that I think, you know, fans have obviously talked a lot about when it comes to this Troy program is there's a new staff here. And I'm sure that had to go into some of the decision making process of you and guys like Carlton to come back. I know John Summerall, from what we've been told, is just well loved in that locker room as well as in that community. Um, you know, how have you guys accepted him and, uh, you know, really in this first season? Yeah, so Coach Summerall was actually on that 2017 Troy staff when me and Carlton were, were first there. And uh, we, we remembered him. He remembered us. Uh, when we f- figured out he got hired, he, he came to us. He reached out to us as guys that he knew were six-year guys, guys that were going to be leaders on this team. And he, uh, you know, he, he had some words with us, and he really boosted our confidence in the, the track that we were about to get the program on. And to have somebody like that, that that brings high energy every day, he's sort of a – he is a defensive-minded coach, but overall he's a head coach. He goes back and forth between the offense, the defense. He keeps us all on track. He – He's kind of like that that third person point of view where, you know, if the offense isn't doing something up to standard, he holds us accountable. He holds the defense accountable. He holds the special teams accountable. Uh, the the whole coaching staff as, as a whole brings amazing energy every day, and it, it's something it's refreshing. It's something that we needed in the program, and it, it's been it's been really good so far. And we're only going to keep climbing. We're only going to keep getting better from here. They always say student comes before athlete. And I know you've taken care of business in the student side. I saw you got a couple academic awards to your name and you finished that bachelor's degree in biology in the summer of 2021, but you started your master's degree in education in the last couple of months. Why was it important for you to stay in school further that education? And can you tell us what your favorite, your hardest class was? Because me and Noah definitely stayed away from the bio and science world and kind of just stick to words. Yeah. So uh, originally the plan was to go to medical school. That's why I got the biology degree. And, uh, when I was going through that, I took uh, I took a couple of rough classes. I think physics, I, I wasn't really fun. Phys- I had to take two physics classes, and those were two of the Bs that I made in college. But uh, th- that wasn't too hot. And then, uh, you know, one day I, I just decided, you know, I, I want to stay around football the rest of my life. I want to motivate kids, young adults. I want to be a mentor in a lot of their lives. And what better way to do that than to be a coach and be an educator? There's there's a lack nowadays on high quality educators and high quality coaches at that level. And, you know, somebody's got to do it. And I think I have a calling to do that. You know, one day I just felt like the Lord was leading me down that path. And here we are. I'm almost done with my master's degree and getting ready to go out into the world or maybe play in the league. And we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. And I, I think I made the right decision again. You know, it's it's something that I'm, I'm passionate about. And I'm ready to see where the future is going to take me there. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, you didn't expect uh, six years ago uh, when you went to school, you probably thought, hey, I'm going to be done in three and be in the league and <laughs> to see this journey now of six years. And, you know, Caden doesn't even know this, but when I when I was in college, I was a sport management major. My freshman year, I had to take uh, biology. And that was the reason I switched my major. So I, I completely <laughs> understand uh, what you're saying. I, I switched to business and you know, I, I, I couldn't take any more of those science classes. So for you to finish four years is pretty impressive. Um, you know, on top of football and schooling, uh, there was a big change in your life that took place this past summer. You know, you get married first of all. Congratulations on that. Um, you know, just tell us a little bit about you and your wife, Carly's story, how you guys met. Um, were there any teammates involved in the wedding? Just how has that kind of changed your life? 
Yeah, so uh, me and Carly are actually high school sweethearts. We met my junior year, her sophomore year of high school. Uh, we, we were together pretty much our entire high school time. And then I moved to college when she was going through her senior year. And, you know, we, we powered through that, powered through the four-hour distance. And somehow I convinced her to, to come down here to go to school with me. So she came down to Troy, too. And then a couple of years later, I, I bought a ring out on a knee. It was the best decision I ever made. And uh, and here we are. We got, we got a house down here. We got a little dog. We got a little family started. So uh, it, it's it's been good. And it, it's it's something that a lot of people overlook. But having that support system down here with me, and, uh, you know, I, I've had an amazing support from my family and everything, but having her down here with me every single day is, it's something that, that really helped me get through. And it, it's helped me all six of these years. That's awesome stuff. Just to get back to ball a little bit. One of the more impressive parts of y'all season, I think was just how y'all bounce back from that, that heartbreaking loss at App State. Me and Noah were there. It was obviously just an unpredictable ending and a, a crazy ending, but y'all go into the next week and we can get into another dog fight with Marshall and you pull out the victory in that one. I guess, tell us what your mentality was and the team's mentality was after that app game and just that week of practice going into Marshall and what you just learned about the team in that week and getting that, that big win after that big loss. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I can say about it is that was probably one of the the most heartbreaking games I've ever been a part of as a player. You know, to lose a game like that, it's it's heartbreaking. We had a bunch of guys that were emotional after the game, and it's something that we we felt like we earned the win and we got cheated out of it, which we we didn't get cheated literally, but it's just it's how it felt at the time. And uh, you know, we we got in the locker room and. We, had, we, we have this saying in our program, and, you know, coach looks at us, we're all emotional, and our, our saying is, so what, now what? And that's something that, that, that we use even if, even if we win the game. So, so what, the past has happened. There's nothing we can do about it. Now what are we going to do? Even, even when we win a game, when we come out, like, like this past week, we went up to Western Kentucky, right after the game, so what, now what, on to Southern Miss. You know, and that's something that we kind of, pride ourselves on you know we can enjoy a win we can learn from a loss but we're not going to dwell on it we're not going to dwell on anything we're going to keep pushing our goals are still in front of us and that's that's really what we're looking forward to is our ultimate goal of of winning the west winning a sunbelt championship going to a bowl game and again like i've said multiple times getting the program back to to where it's supposed to be well, you guys are definitely trending in the right direction. I know every week uh, you guys play, I know that Caden and I fall further and further in love with just what you guys are doing and how you guys are playing earlier this year. Um, you know, you mentioned the Western Kentucky game last week, and you guys, uh, you know, you have to battle through some adversity. Your quarterback goes down. Um, and I just wanted to ask, what was that conversation like between you and maybe that offensive line unit, your offense? Uh, when you knew Jared Dagey was coming into the game and then maybe how did that feel after he comes in, architects a couple of, you know, big touchdown drives and you guys win that game? Yeah, so uh, unfortunate. You never want to see a, a teammate go down like that. I, I was concerned. The whole line was concerned. But, uh, you know, I will say this about about Daggy. He he prepares every day like he's going to be the starter. He, even though that he he knows that his role is the backup right now, he can't, he's been coming in every day, watching film, doing extra work. He prepares and he takes pride in preparing as if he's starting the game. So when we knew that he was coming in the game, we knew that there wasn't going to be a fall off. We had confidence in his preparation. He had confidence in his preparation. And, uh, you know, there really wasn't any concern. There wasn't any fall off. We, we had confidence in him. We just kept going out back to work and, 
you know, we reap the rewards, we reap the benefits of that. And that, that's just a testament to, to his hard work, you know, that he puts in day in, day out. Yeah, I think it was great. And, you know, you joked earlier in this podcast that you almost went to Western Kentucky. And I have to imagine after that game, there were some people thinking, man, I wish Jared Dagey and Austin Stidham were on our side because the score might have been different in that. But, you know, we talk a lot about football on this podcast, but we also like to have you kind of take the helmet off and get to know you a little bit as a person. Um, Football has obviously it's been a major part of your life over the last six seasons in college, but even before that. Um, we were just curious, you know, what are some of your passions away from the field? What are some things that maybe outside of uh, this beautiful game of football that, that you like to do to relax or just enjoy yourself? Yeah, so I, I think if you're going to learn about me, you, you need to know first and foremost, I'm a Christian. That's how I lead my life. That That's a big aspect of my life. Uh, other than that, outside of sports, man, sports has consumed most of my life. I was a three-sport athlete in high school. Uh yeah, I, I wasn't a big wasn't a big hunter growing up. You know, a lot of guys from the south they get into all that, but I was just all ball all the time. I was finding ways to get better at whatever sport I whatever season of sport it was at that time. And uh, outside of that, you know, I, I play a little music. I'm, I'm I'm big into music and stuff like that. And you know, that's about it. That's about all all you have time for when you got a wife, you got a family, you got uh, full time sports. You know, so. There's no time. I'm a There's no time left guy. for video games, I'm sure. Yeah, barely. <laughs> oh, perfect transition. You said you were into music. Can we always ask a, a, recur- a reoccurring question about what, what's the pregame playlist? What are you listening to your ears before the game? And if you could pick one song, maybe your walk-up song like for baseball, if you could pick one song, what would it be? And just tell us a little bit more about that, that pregame playlist you listen to. What a question. So usually when guys say they're into music, they mean they're into music. So depending on my mood, it can be any genre that day. You know, it goes even on the bus ride to the game. It goes from hard rock to to rap uh, to some kind of country, maybe who knows. But uh, I I really like listening to to some sort of hard rock song right before, you know, you go out on the field because our position, it's it's an aggressive one and you have to get in that mindset you know I always joke with some of the guys I played basketball for four years in high school when you go in, when you're going out on a basketball court you have a little bit of a, a swagger about you you know you can kind of finesse it and then you know you don't have to be just all hyped up ready to physically kill somebody but when you get ready to go play offensive line on a college football field you have to be mind clear aggression you know it's all just pure aggression when you step on a football field so I usually lean towards some hard rock, you know, before I before I go out on the on the on the game field. We, we still need that one song. Where I think we're at the point where we we've had one song from every person that we've had. We might be able to make a playlist out of it. If we had one song, one walk up song, one song before the game, before opening kickoff. What would it be? One song. I'm going Inner Sandman by Metallica. And that's what I'm. That's what I'm walking out to right there. You know, we talked with, uh, was it Tucker, Greg, Caden last week? Uh, and he was a big uh, Metallica guy, too. So maybe the two of you guys should link up. Share pot or share, uh, share playlist. I can tell, by the way, that, that he plays the game, that I, I would figure that he would be a big Metallica guy. <laughs> I was just about to say, those two guys, those are two nasty guys when they get on the yeah. field. So there's there's definitely something to play in that Metallica before the game because those are two of the probably the most physical players we've had on this podcast so far. Yeah, no, that that's really funny that that, that, that happened. That was, uh, that was our last player interview. So it's funny to hear that. Um, you know, the other thing that we've started to ask a lot of people is Kate and I are kind of planning trips over the next year to make it to most of these Sunbelt schools. And, you know, we've asked the last several student athletes that have been on the podcast, just what is there to do in their towns? And so let's talk, Troy, <laughs> like 
what are some things that if Caden and I came to Troy this weekend, like you would say they have to do? Oh, man, brother, I, I'm sorry, but there is not a single thing to do in the town of Troy. There is not a single. There, there's a couple of good places to eat. You, you'll have to go to to the half shell to eat some, some good seafood. But uh, other than that, you come watch a football game, and that's about it. <laughs> I mean, there's literally nothing. That's why we're such a such a tight-knit town, it feels like sometimes, is because there's nothing else to do but to hang out with your brothers and you know, maybe have a bonfire in somebody's backyard, you know? So maybe it sounds like, uh, yeah, it sounds like if we're coming down, we need to link up and maybe we can uh, have like a big bonfire out back of your house or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll get together if y'all come down to a game. We'll, We'll show you a good time. Well, I have to admit, this has probably been my favorite interview that we have had so far. Uh, so I really appreciate you taking a little bit of time. I think we learned a lot about you and uh, obviously learned a lot about this Troy program. And, you know, like I said, Caden and I have admired what you guys have been doing this year and certainly uh, wish you guys the best of luck the rest of the season. Well, thank you. I appreciate y'all having me. And I, I hope I answered all your questions adequately. But I, I really do appreciate you reaching out and respecting me enough to want to have me on the podcast it it does mean a lot to me when when people want to talk to just a just an offensive lineman but it, it does it means a lot to me What a great interview. I don't know about you, Noah, but that's definitely the most that people can't see our faces, but that's definitely the most I've smiled on the episode before. Just a great guy. Had me laughing the whole time, having me smiling. And I just, I'm so excited for him. And that's definitely someone I'm rooting for going forward this season with his last year in Troy. Yeah, I think my favorite part of that interview, there was no BS in Austin Stidham. We asked him, hey, what can you do in Troy? We've asked that question to so many athletes in this podcast. And most of them, you know, they make up things, I think, a little bit. Austin came out right out and said it and said, there's not much to do in Troy. He invites us over to a bonfire, which Caden, I think we're going to have to take him up on, but just a really down to earth guy. You have to love the story there about, you know, him ending up at Troy as opposed to Western Kentucky. Uh, Just so many good things going on in that interview. No, for sure. And a lot of people, all these Sunbelt teams, I've been to a lot of these different schools and they all have a little bit in common where there are smaller towns, not a lot to do. So some of these guests we have might have been reaching a little bit as far as how exciting their town is and what to do. But Austin was very straight up about it and told us about Troy. So what a great guy. What a great story. And I think we might have to have some more offensive linemen on if that's what the charisma and the the personality they're going to keep bringing to the table. Yeah, I got to admit, that was probably my favorite interview that we've done so far. I mean, like you said, we were smiling, we were laughing the whole time. Uh, Just a lot of fun to have Austin on the podcast. Well, before we end today's episode, we do have a game to talk about. The first Wednesday night game of the year in the Sunbelt. It's one of these scheduling quirks that the Sunbelt has had for years to try to get games on national television. And this week, uh, it's Marshall versus Louisiana, a primetime game uh, this evening. Uh, The game will take place at 7.30, and it's a, a rematch of you know, last year's RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl uh, that saw Louisiana come from behind and win that game 36 to 21. This game also going to be the first Sunbelt home game for Marshall. Caden, I know you like your uniform swag, and I thought this was kind of a neat stat here. Marshall is going to be debuting black helmets in this game, and it's actually going to be the first time in program history dating all the way back to 1895 that the Thundering Herd have exited the tunnel with black helmets. I think that's kind of cool, and that's a reason that I'm going to tune in just to see that. 
Yeah, we might have to get to the point where we power rank some of the teams in the conference as all black uniforms because it feels like everyone has one. App State obviously traditionally has theirs, but then ULL's brought one out in the last couple of years. Georgia State has a good one now, Marshall. So I think with Marshall, though, no team out of all the teams, I think it fits their identity the most, that all black uniform. And this game is going to be an, an all black affair. I think that both of these teams have a very similar style of play. Hard-nosed defense, hard-nosed running game traditionally. So I'm super excited to watch both of these teams fresh off of a bye, playing in this one in a brand of football that's going to be one up front in the trenches. And it's just going to be a, a, a nasty one, I think, on a Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of black and blue bruises coming out of this game because you have two teams that are good defensively. I think two teams that have some question marks on offense. And so this one might be a slugfest. I know that the over-under on this game was sitting at 47 and a half going into this one. It will not surprise me if we go under that in this game because I think two defenses could play really well. You know, any game that we talk about, you kind of have to start a little bit with the offense. And to me, these are two offenses that are not that good right now. Um, you know, Marshall obviously gets off to the hot start to this year. They've been riding a really talented running game that we'll get to in a few moments. Um, you know, Henry Columbia has been the quarterback all season long. And to me, this Marshall team has a bit of a quarterback ceiling problem. Um, I think Columbia has one of the higher floors in the league, but to me, he just does not have much of a ceiling, uh, much more than maybe we've seen. He's tied for 13th out of 14 starting quarterbacks with just six passing touchdowns this year. His 175 yards per game's third worst. I did also find it interesting. He's been pretty efficient. He's top five in efficiency in the league. Um, but Columbia isn't, he's just not one of those quarterbacks that excites me in the Sun Belt right now. Yeah, he's definitely one of those game manager types, which has always tried to be used as a negative term when you talk about sports and talk about football. But I think with him, he just hasn't been able to elevate this team as much. And we talked about it before. I think a lot of that has to do with how strong they are in the run game and the ability for him to get a, a rhythm. And I think his timing with his outside weapons and receivers is just hard to establish when you are running the ball so much. But I think if you look at the other side of this one, too, we've obviously talked in depth about ULL's quarterback problems as well. They announced that Woldridge will be the starter for this one that Chandler Fields is going to be out with an injury. And that's the guy I think they've been that have been advocating for them to go with really all year. And I don't know if he necessarily won this quarterback battle or if it's just a necessity out of injury. But I'm also excited for him in his first career start to come out here. I think his style of play, as opposed to maybe Columbia, kind of complements the style of play that ULL is going with. They run the ball. He doesn't really need as many throws. I feel like he's shown in smaller sample sizes that he can make some things happen for them and also make some things happen th for them in their legs. So I think in both of these quarterbacks that we're going to see in this one, don't expect super big performances and numbers out of both of them, but it's really going to be about who can manage the game best and who can maybe just elevate their team a little bit more at the end when they need it. Yeah, it's felt like down in Louisiana all year long that uh, Mike Desimo has not been able to make a decision on who his starting quarterback is. I think that there has been some signs that they would like Ben Wooldridge to be the guy, um, but they have not been able to make those decisions, so they get an injury to make that decision for them. You talk about Wooldridge, and to me... If you're looking at this game, they need Eastern Michigan, Ben Wooldridge, to show up in this contest. Earlier on in the year, he comes in late in that game, goes 12 of 13 through a couple of touchdowns. If they can get that guy to show up in this game, that changes some things for Louisiana's offense because I think one thing that Louisiana's going to have a ton of trouble doing here in this game is running the football um, against you know the second-best rushing defense in the league. So they need to get something out of the quarterback position. Wooldridge against South Alabama. 62% completion, did have a touchdown in that second half after he came in for Chandler Fields. So 
I like what I'm seeing out of Ben Wooldridge. I think he probably becomes the starting quarterback the rest of the year, in my opinion. I think that's the decision that needs to be made. I know there's a lot of Raging Cajun fans that like that potential decision. Um, but to me, Caden, and, I, and, and you can maybe echo some of this, to me, it's more about just making a decision at this point. We're so many games into the year. I think you need to pick a quarterback, and you need to ride or die with it the rest of the year. Yeah, we talked about it before. I think just having a definitive quarterback in the room, the consistent guy that your team knows week in and week out you can lean on is just a lot better than the back and forth aspect they had of the quarterback position for ULL. I'm not going to say that was 100% the reason why they got off to the start they have this season and have kind of disappointed some people compared to what they did last year. But that was always a position where you looked at what you got from Levi Lewis last year and you could combine probably both of those, those quarterbacks and not get that same production. But I think you talked about it. You want to see Woldridge's performance like he had in Eastern Michigan. But let's just be honest, that's a way different defense. I mean, this Marshall defense is a lot more stifling. They're only holding teams to 16 points per week. So I think it's going to be one of Chandler Fields' biggest challenges. He obviously played a great South Alabama defense last week. But on that last drive, that really got them down into the game and into the conversation to where they were tied and they were in the driver's seat. Woldridge led that drive, and I know there were a lot of run plays. Chris Smith got free, but he did complete some passes, got some favorable penalties, and got some momentum going. So off the last game, the last drive at least I saw from Ben Woldridge was a good one. So you're hoping, if you're a ULL fan, that he can ride some of that momentum from their last game into this one. I think, you know, now switching sides of the football a little bit here, Caden, looking at this game, I feel like Louisiana could give Kalen Laborn and company some trouble in this contest. And, you know, again, if you can do that to Marshall, this has been a pretty one-dimensional offense. Their rushing attack has been really good this year, even without Rashina Lee. Um, but Louisiana giving up about 128 yards per game on the ground. Marshall, you know, they boast the second best, uh, you know, rushing attack in the conference at, you know, almost 225 yards per game this season. Kalen Laybourne, you know, Caden, he's just having one of those outstanding seasons, eight touchdowns on the ground, 731 yards. Uh, he's averaging 50 yards more than the next best back in the Sun Belt. Um, but Louisiana has shown the ability to be good at that in that front seven. And if they can slow down Kalen Laybourne, I don't think you're going to shut him down, but if you can slow him down, uh, I think this gives Louisiana a chance in this game. 100%. And I think if you look at last year's bowl game, it was a very exciting watch. And I think the most exciting part of it for me watching at least was I was someone who played against Marshall and played against ULL and saw firsthand how good ULL's front was last year on the defensive side of the ball and how good Marshall's offensive line was. So that was one of those games where I was football nerding out and I was just watching the line of scrimmage play after play because it was just a physical battle and you saw it move back and forth and back and forth. And I think that's going to be another staple of this game and one of the most important matchups. I think if you look at ULL, they've proven that they can stop the run very well in a high level. And also they've proven that even when their offense isn't going, they, they're on the field more than just about any team in the country right now, any defense in the country right now. They've had to get high volume snaps on the defensive side of the ball and really carry this team. And if you look at Marshall on the opposite side, Laybourne's one of the highest volume backs in the country. He gets the ball more than just about anybody. He's up there as far as the top five in rushing yards. So I think it's going to be about which team from start to finish, whether it's that offensive line and that running back room from Marshall versus that front seven for ULL on defense, who can make the most impact, who can win and throw the most punches from the beginning to the end. So that's probably the most exciting matchup I have, I have scheduled and looked at for this one. Yeah, I think the best thing here, and Caden, you and I were talking before we you know, recorded this episode, but Kalen Laybourne had to take a week off just so that some running backs in the country could actually catch up to him right now. Uh, he's just been that good this year. Um, you know, but we give a lot of credit right there to Louisiana's ability to perhaps stop the run. And then you look at Marshall and they have the second best run stopping, 
you know, team in the conference um, between only James Madison, who we've talked a lot about putting up just video game numbers in terms of stopping the rush. Um, but Marshall's given up 71 yards per game right now. They have only allowed two teams to rush over 100 yards in Troy and Notre Dame that had 130. Caden, uh, here's the only concern that I have in this game. We know how good the style rushing defense is. Louisiana hasn't been able to rush the football, so they might take away one of their biggest advantages just because they can't run the football. Yeah, it's definitely going to be very straightforward in this one as far as which team can stop the run will probably win. And both of these teams have proven they can both stop the run. But I think the biggest thing is going to be who can limit the explosive plays. If you can get those quick three, four, five-yard runs, those aren't what hurts you. It's those explosive long ones. So I think whichever team can limit those explosive plays out of the backfield will win. And then we go back to those quarterbacks. I think both of these quarterbacks aren't going to have huge roles and huge fingerprints on winning and losing this game. But if either of these teams do get in a situation where they have to throw it, you have to expect to see them elevate their game a little bit more and really take them to the next level. So I'm super excited really to watch both of these defenses performing up front just to watch these running backs try to go to work the best they can against two defenses who have who have clearly proven they could stop the run with just about anybody in the country. Okay, we know you love talking about you know front sevens, defensive line, but what we know you really like talking about are good secondaries, and that is something this game features. You have a Raging Cajuns team that is top sixth in, sixth in the nation at forcing turnovers, 10 INTs on the year. Marshall not far behind. Um, I think if the quarterbacks have to throw in this game, uh, there's going to be some defenses that are thinking, you know, they might see a Thanksgiving meal here a little bit earlier than Thanksgiving. Yeah, obviously you expect big games out of both of these secondaries. I really like Marshall, especially the safeties that they're working with right now. They've made some huge plays for them. They have Stephen Gilmore, obviously, who we know is the brother of Stephon Gilmore. They have Micah Abraham back there and Joshua Bowers, just really solid at the corner position and the safety position. But you could obviously, per usual, say the th- same thing about ULL's defense. They have Eric Garr back there at corner, who's got his hands on the ball a couple times this year. And you saw how effective that he can be as well in the special teams game, returning punt returns for touchdowns this constantly this year. So I think both sides of the ball have strong secondaries. I'm very curious to see what kind of nights they have just because this could be one of those games where you're a little bit bored. I know when you play some teams where you know they're going to th- run the ball a lot and not throw the ball. It's kind of hard for a corner to stay interested. So I'm really curious to see if both of the corners in this matchup can stay locked in on their task and not get caught slipping on some of these double moves or play action plays and get lulled into just seeing the running attack. But look for both of the safeties in this game from both teams to have to be very effective run stoppers as well and maybe do some things a little bit differently than they're used to doing as far as defending on the back end versus coming down the box and making a difference. Caden, I'm kicking myself here because I feel like this game could be so tight. We should have done a little bit of this segment about the kickers from both teams because it would honestly not surprise me if we didn't see an offensive touchdown in this game am I crazy to think that like could we see could we see something like this game last weekend where number 24 Illinois wins nine to six over Iowa could we see something like that in this game I don't think either of us would be surprised about that, but it's the Sunbelt, man. And I think we've if, if we've learned one thing about the Sunbelt Conference, it's whatever we think is going to happen, there's a very strong chance it could not happen. So, of course, we're going to have all this talk about how great the defenses are in the running games. And we're going to see Chandler Fields and Columbia have like probably their passing highs and throw the ball th- three touchdowns each and all that stuff. So I'm excited to see this one. I think our expectations and the reality of this one are going to be hopefully the same if we start making bets and start putting our money where our mouth is. But you never know at this conference. So I'm just excited to watch both of these teams who I think both have something to prove and both have kind of similar positions as far as what they expected out of the year and coming off of a bye week and what they want to continue to prove. Well, like I said, this should be a really good game. I know one of the things I'm excited to with it being on ESPN too, uh, Caden, you and I, you know, Mike Morgan, the guy who's going to be calling this game is someone that I've known. I You got a chance to meet him uh, at that Georgia State Coastal Carolina game a couple weeks ago. 
they'll be calling this game alongside a Georgia legend and Aaron Murray. So I think that that's a pretty good broadcast crew for this game. Uh, let's hope we get some Sunbelt after dark action going on here. Maybe a little bit of fun belt on a Wednesday. Uh, we'll certainly have to see how that goes. Here's one stat to, uh, to know before we move on and make our picks. And uh, that is Louisiana held South Alabama to a season low 116 yards on the ground last or two weeks ago. Um, and they have the second best running back in the league in LaDamian Webb. So certainly Louisiana has the pieces uh, to maybe pull off an upset, not tipping my hand just yet. But let's move on and make our picks for this game. Marshall versus Louisiana. The Herd come in a 10.5-point favorite. I think a large part of that is because they're playing at home. They've obviously had a better start to the season. Over-under really low in this game at 47.5. Caden, uh, uh, as I tend to let you do so that you don't spoil mine, uh, I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, I'm really on the fence with this one. I think the 10.5 point spread is a little bit too much. I think both of these teams have very similar identities and very similar styles of play like we talked about. And I feel like both of them, if you look at the two of them, Marshall's probably shown a little bit higher of a ceiling just because that Notre Dame game. But if you look at their low of lows, I mean, the upset to Bowling Green was big. Same goes for Rice with ULL. So I think both of these teams, again, are in similar positions with something to prove. And I think with that being said, I'm going to take Marshall in this one just because they are the home team. I've played in Huntington, and it's a tough place to play, and I couldn't imagine having to play there at night. I think there's a lot of hype around this one with the all-black uniforms and what they have going for them. So I think Marshall will win this one, but I do think it will be close. I wouldn't be surprised if ULL won this one, to be honest. This was a hard pick for me to make, but I do think ULL does cover. I think they do keep it within 10 points, but I do think, like we talked about before, I'm taking the under on the points with this one. I do think both of these teams haven't really proven they can put up a ton of points. And we just look at how stout both of these defenses are and how predictable they are on offense with their rushing attack. Have to take the under on the points. So give me Marshall to win. You a lot of cover and the under on the points. Man, my guy, you just made basically the perfect picks of sitting right on the fence and not being able to make a decision. You gave yourself a chance to maybe win all three right there. Um, as I have shown on this podcast, I am willing to take more risks than you are. And uh, maybe it's because we're not betting real money here. Um, but I, I will give you this. This is going to be a low scoring affair. So we are going to agree on the under. I don't think either team's offenses have shown uh, the ability to put up big numbers. Uh, we just spent a lot of time talking about how good these defenses are. And I think that this is going to be a defensive battle. Um, I say all of that to say, I pick Louisiana to win the West to begin this year. Obviously, that pick is not looking great right now, but I still think there is some of the past Louisiana team in this team. Uh, this is a Louisiana team that beat Marshall in the bowl game last year. Head coach Mike Decimo picked up his first career win as a head coach last year. So give me Louisiana in this game. It's going to be Coach Mike Decimo's signature victory to start this season as a Ragin' Cajun and will give Louisiana something to maybe catapult off as they have some big games coming up. But I'm not only taking Louisiana to cover, I'm taking them to win, and I'm also going to take the over here. So give me Louisiana uh, on the road at Marshall. No, I like your pick. I was very, very close to picking ULL, and I think the argument you could make with them is they came off of their best game of the year, clearly, against South Alabama. They obviously didn't get the results they wanted, but very curious to see how they respond. It could be a ULL team that feels sorry for themselves, feel like their season's over just because South Alabama already beat them and comes into this one slow and not engaged. Or it could be one that's like, hey, we just played our best brand of football Let's still put the conference on notice and keep building on that and try to get better and better. So I think this is going to be the point where we talked about that hot seat meter for ULL. 
how are they going to respond? Are they going to get better throughout the year as they have been so far, honestly, or are they just going to get stagnant and plateau? So I'm super excited. I like your pick. I do think this is going to be a close game. I think a three-point or two-and-a-half point line wouldn't have been crazy for this one. So I think either team can win this one, and that's what makes it super exciting. I'm super excited for our listeners and fans and all the nation to have this game to watch on Wednesday night and put the Sunball on the map a little bit more than they already are. One last thing. I am not uh, Louisiana. They were picked uh, 100th out of 131 teams by the updated uh, rankings by the Athletic earlier this week. I just do not think that this is a Louisiana team that is that bad. Uh, They have some problems, and I think they're trying to figure things out, but I think that there's still a lot of upward trajectory for this Raging Cajuns team. Well, that will do it for another solid episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Troy offensive lineman Austin Stidham and Troy associate director of athletics, Adam uh, Prendergast, for helping make uh, that interview happen. Uh, before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Friday where we'll discuss all the big games this weekend, including our game of the week between recently ranked number 25, James Madison and Georgia Southern. I've been wanting to say that for a while. Uh, thanks for taking time to listen. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the Frary and Smith podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss an episode. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We love hearing what y'all think. Finally, follow the show on our Twitter page at at Frary and Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.